Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
morning, good morning. Christos Vanessi, my friends. Christ is risen, my friends and family. And on that we can depend, and he will come back for us and make everything right. So I'm your host, friend, and Reverend Shar McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Riley Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. And there's also an online resource if you don't have a Bible there. Uh, it's www.biblia.com, and you can follow along with us, and, of course, you can just listen. And I just want to let you know that uh, I've had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We'll have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. That's it. Anyway, let's do our opening prayer as we bow our heads. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for those whose lives are in jeopardy right there at home. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and in our streets and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body. And we also pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. We ask for freedom from addiction, God. And please, God, help us heal our families. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against every type of evil and protect our lives that have been taken for disturbing evil reasons. And we also believe those who have been taken are martyrs and uh, they're now praying for us, and that all your angels watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. And we pray for the wisdom of the president and the rest of our policymakers, and they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries with problems suffering all over the world. We also pray against child abuse. God, watch over all the little children. Thank you, God. Please help us. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under kids' care. And we ask everybody and their families that are in our prayers, and we love them very much. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you are interested in about the opening music, is by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. And if you want to order a copy, go to savae.org. I also found them on Amazon, and I found them on Facebook, and you can listen to them for free on YouTube. So I love the the instrumentals and the the chanting very much. And I want to wish everybody today, if it's your birthday or anniversary, happy birthday or anniversary. May you have a very prosperous and happy year ahead, and God bless you. And remember, you can call me at 619-924-9744, and also... If you have any issues and you need to call and you want prayer, just let me know and message me on Facebook, Charlene Simpson McCann.
Okay, so today we're actually up to Hebrews chapter 10. Yep, all the way to chapter 10. And this one's titled, Jesus One, Sin and Evil, Nothing. The author says that Jewish law can never do all this good stuff. The law is kind of like imitation crab. Well, Jesus is the real deal crustacean. If the law worked, priests wouldn't need to offer the same sacrifices day after day, year after year. People would have been free from sin and live holy lives. But the system is broken and Jesus had to fix it. Jesus knew that God didn't want a whole bunch of animal sacrifices and burnt offerings laying around every day. He was up to, for doing God's will because he knew that his death would make things right. Out with the old and in with the new, we know. Seriously, says Arthur, the Jewish priests have been trying to take away sins for centuries, day in, day out. But Jesus go and dies once, and just once, and the problem is solved. Remember, says Hebrews, God already told the world all this stuff, and it's all written in the Hebrew Bible. He said that he would make a new deal and people wouldn't have to worry about the law anymore. You get forgiveness, you get forgiveness. Everybody gets forgiveness. Pretty sweet deal. Okay, so that means it's all good in the Christian hood. Because of Jesus, Christians totally have an in with God. So Christians shouldn't spend their whole bunch of time doubting and worrying whether or not God will do these things as he's promised. Spoiler alert, he will. Christians should also be super nice and loving to each other. They have to keep the spirits up until Jesus makes his encore appearance. After all, believers know the truth about God now. So it would be silly for them to turn their backs on him now and start living in wretched lives of highs of scum and villainy. Oh, anyway. Remember, God is sort of judgmental when it comes to stuff like this. He was pretty hardcore about punishing the sinners back in the day of the Moses. And so we can bet he'd be pretty kicked by anyone who turns their back on his son. Getting on God's bad side is no bueno. Remember that when he goes go and gets tough, you're going to think about ditching this whole believing in Jesus thing. The Christian this book is addressed to had some hard times. They suffered. They've been publicly ridiculed, persecuted by friends, sent to prison, and had everything they had in the world taken. But during all of that, they still kept happy and cheerful. See, they knew that they had something better than a good reputation and freedom or fancy terracotta pots and mantles. They had Jesus, our Lord. So, says the author, just hold on a little longer. Things may be tough. But if you keep on going, keeping on, you're going to get that big old medal at the end of the race. I want you now to turn to your Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, as I will. So let me see. Hold on one minute. So I'm very proud of everybody that's kept up with this whole thing. Because we have been reading and reading and reading, and except for one Sunday. We've kept at this every Sunday. So uh, we'll just keep going. So Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. For the law, since it is only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never bear the same sacrifices which offered continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having been once cleansed, could no longer have consciousness of sin? 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you have taken no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come. And the scroll of the book is written of me, to do your will, O God. For seeing above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which were offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And he takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. For he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For one offering he has perfected all time for those who have sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for that after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after the days, says the Lord. I will put my, my laws upon their heart and their, and their mind, and I will write these. And then he says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So that's forgiveness. Now, now, where there is forgiveness of things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Okay, so now, warning, don't despise Christ. Therefore, brethren, since we have the confidence to enter to the holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance, of faith, having our hearts rekindled clean from the evil conscience and uh, bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised faithful. For let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, which is the habit of some but encourage one another, and all more the more as you see the day drawn near. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve when he trampled under the foot of the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant for which he has sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Then again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly being made by a public spectacle through the reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully 
the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you, you have done the will of God, and you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while he will be coming, and he, his coming will be come and will not delay. But for the, my righteousness, I shall live by the faith. And, for, and if he sin, shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not of those who shrink back of, to, to destruction, but of those who are faith for the preserving of the soul. You know, when I'm reading this, it's just reminding me that it's admonishing us to not give up and don't shrink back. You know, when it's almost over, then all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm going to go do a bit. I think Buddhism is better for me. Well, don't give up. If you're a Christian, just hang in there. God, Jesus, everybody promised. They promised God would come back. And Jesus died for our sins. So we are forgiven. We're forgiven. He already knew us from his day till now that this all this stuff that's happening to us would be happening. So we are admonished to keep up the faith, don't give up, and also to encourage each other. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm I'm encouraging you to not give up. Never give up no matter what. Just keep praying and keep going. And pray and go, that's my plan. Anyway, so let's read the note. So it says the Mosaic Law with a Levitical priest and their continual and inadequate offering was a shadow of Christ's coming and once and for all offering. And then 10.5, he comes. Christ comes and uh, representing the whole, and he replaces uh, the, the part, you know. So Christ's whole, and he replaces the partial that was being done before and all those sacrifices that were for nothing. And then by Christ doing the will of God is becoming the sacrifice for our sin sanctified or set apart in our position before God. So Jesus is standing in for us, even with his Father. So exalted and honored now at the right hand of God, the ruling over his enemies, always his second coming. And that's what we're waiting for. And it might not happen in our lifetime, but it's going to happen. When God's timing, not your timing, and not when you see, we do see signs and wonders and all that, but that doesn't mean, you know, Jesus is coming tomorrow. We have to wait, even if it takes another thousand years. It doesn't matter, but we will see our maker when we pass. Our, our life is not limitless. We're not going to wait forever. You know, when we pass, we're going to go see God and see heaven. So don't keep telling everybody it's the end, the end, the end. Quit scaring people. Be ready. We're admonished to be ready for the end, but quit telling people stuff over and over and over again. Okay, so then let's, let's push up to 1026. The sinning willfully. The background of this is the defiant sin, and for which there was no preparatory offering. There is no longer remains a sacrifice for that sin if the person rejects the truth of Christ's death for sin. There is no other sacrifice for sin available, and no other way to come to God. Only judgment remains, and that's what's going to happen. And all the things in the world, and we think about the perpetrators that have sent out so much murder, death, and hate, all of that. They're going to be judged, and, uh, you know, it's a horrible thing to think about, but it's happening every day, every day, and I wish it wasn't, And but it is, And but that's why we're Christians, we keep the faith, we keep reading our Bible, we keep telling each other not to give up, 
We just remind each other how much God loves us and uh, that we have, look at the freedom that we have if we operate within the realm of what it says for us to do in the Holy Bible, how much freedom we really do, do have because Jesus died for our sins. We don't have to walk around cowering and we have to hold our head up. We ask to be meek, but not to be stupid, you know, so do the right thing. We know what we know what we have to do here. And I ask that we continue to do so and not give up the ship, in other words. Anyway, so what I'm going to do now, I think we have a little time for one little story out of our faithful little guidepost. Okay, I'm trying not to read stuff over and over. Okay, so this is a little story, and it's called Mission for Mikey, age three, by Mabel Grace in Riverside, California. My oldest daughter, April, was a sweet girl, innocent and vivacious. She enjoyed playing mommy to her younger brothers and sister. Working with the Special Olympics was her passion. I had never seen a teenager with more patience and such an affinity for kids. From the time April was little, she dreamed of raising a family of her own. But when she grew up and got married, things began to change. She became less and less like the April I knew. She stopped seeing her old friends. Her behavior became irresponsible. Her answers evasive. It didn't take long for me to realize that she was on drugs. It turned out that her husband had been an addict before she was. Saddest of all, when she finally had children, she always wanted three of them. She wasn't in any shape to be a mother. There were times when I could see that she really loved those kids, but they needed to be loved all the time, and drugs ruled April's life. Often she dropped the children off at my place, promising to return in a couple of hours, which became days and weeks. April simply vanished, running. I learned later from her abusive husband. Finally, she handed over my three grandchildren. I was relieved that I could protect them and keep together as a family. We saw little of April and finally nothing at all. One winter Saturday in 1992, I was running errands with a three-year-old Mikey. We had a strange announcement. We have a new brother, he said from the back seat. What are you talking about? Mikey stood up behind me. He was born today, Grandma. We have to go find him. Blonde, blue-eyed Mikey was as mischievous and unpredictable as any three-year-old, but he never come up with an odd statement like this one. Another grandchild born Saturday, January 26, 1992, I noted. But I caught myself. Surely Mikey was making this up. The Lord only knew what went through Mikey's mind with parents who had dropped out of his life. When we had last seen April six months ago, she didn't look pregnant. Since then, I tried to track her down, and I called her friends and visited her hangouts, but nobody had seen anything or said anything to about April being pregnant, and surely Mikey had not heard from her. Mikey, I said as we pulled into our driveway, you have one brother and one sister and three kids would live with me. They're all, they're all together safe. Grandma's going to take care of you. Helping him out of the car, I saw him thinking hard. That winter Saturday on a, was a Sunday and warm Southern California day. A neighbor child ran to play with Mikey in our front yard. Maybe he'll get his mind off this foolishness, I thought. I spread out my, my sewing in the living room table and opened the front door so I could keep an eye on the children. I didn't pay much attention to the conversation until I heard Mikey say 
It was his new brother's birthday. Exasperated, I called my grandson aside. Mikey, how on earth did you come up with such a story? Silently, he studied me. Well, I demanded. Mikey huffed. The angel told me so. Told you what, I asked then. An angel and Jesus came to me when I was asleep last night, Grandma. And the angel said I have a new brother to go find him. Mikey was so adamant, I myself almost believing him. But since when did angels bring important messages to three-year-olds? What did Jesus look like, I asked, testing. He was all shiny. I couldn't see his face because it was too bright. And the angel, Mikey, did the angel look like? My grandson smiled and ran his hands down the length of his outfit, all white and big and shiny. And he ran back outside to play, leaving me to start it all out. Now more than ever, I wish I could find April. If only I could set my mind at ease. I had all her children safe in my care. Lord, I asked, if there is an angel, why didn't you let me see it? I molded this over until one of the children needed my attention. And to tell the truth, with the constant activity, I didn't have much trouble putting the whole mysterious episode out of my mind. Four days later, I received an unexpected bill from my, the hospital. What's this about, I wonder? Ripping open the envelope, none of us had been sick. When I unfolded the invoice, I couldn't believe my eyes. Patient, April Franklin. It held bold letters, and then it said ultrasound. As far as I knew, there was only one reason for a young woman to get an ultrasound reading, and I was remembering Mikey's dream. Perhaps this was all one big mix-up. What were the odds of April being pregnant again, and Mikey knowing about it without having had any word from her. I decided to call the hospital and find out. Is April Franklin your patient? I asked the operator. She checked the list and said no, another didn't. I started to hang up, but I remember Mikey's request to find his new brother. This is an emergency, I blurted out. I must speak to the missions. On hold, I listened to the droning music. Was I a wild goose chase and all because of the little boy's dream? Admission, said the woman on the other end. April Franklin was discharged. I'm her mother, I said quickly. Do you know how to reach her? There was an uncomfortable pause at the other end. She has brought in from the county jail, she explained. I assume she's been taken back there. I hung up heartbroken. Part of me didn't want to know what had happened, but I could not shake the feeling that Mikey knew something important. I took a deep breath and rolled up the number, looked up the number for the county jail. How many times have I dialed that cell phone, dreading that I was going to learn about April? County jail, a gruff voice answered. I explained who I was, and finally, the matron came to the phone with some answers. I found out April had been arrested for failure to pay fines and innumerable parking and traffic violations. Is my daughter all right? I interrupted. Is she pregnant? April's baby was born prematurely. I caught my breath. Born? Where is he? I realized I assumed that he was a baby boy, just as Mikey predicted. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to give out that information. I have custody of April's other children, I said, keeping my voice steady, and I don't want this one to fall into the system. There was a silence on the other end. It finally said, if I were you, no one was allowed to tell me the whereabouts of baby. I would start at the county hospital. I couldn't keep the smile off my face. Thank you for the advice. Driving my car, I needed every ounce of self-restraint to muster to say the speed limit. Still, I wasn't sure what to expect. Had April really brought another child into the world? If she has, God, what do you want and what to do? Can I handle one more under my roof? 
I'm sure I can live another, have another baby. I flew to the hospital and moved the man aboard. I've come to see the Franklin baby, I said, not fully believing the words out of my mouth. I'm the grandmother. I'm so glad you came there, said the baby's kidney infection is clearing up and he's due to be released too. And I asked while she checked that they'd given the name of April's friends, I had arrived in the nick of time. The nurse led me to a maze of incubators and stopped in front of me of the little boy Mikey had been right after all. He had a new brother. A precious miracle was just as April's other children had been. Where was he born, I asked. It's the last Saturday, January 25th. He came early. I immediately fell in love with his tight pink face and his eyes not quite open. His arms and legs moved herky-jerky, and he seemed to stick his chest out, saying, Look at me, Grandma. There's plenty of love left in my heart for you, little one. I was too hard to tear myself away from him, but I had no time to waste. I'll be back, I whispered. From the lobby, I called a lawyer and asked to seek immediate custody. I'll do what I can, he promised. And within 24 hours, he was able to get an injunction against giving the baby to April's friend who had a police record for drug possession. The child would be put under my protection upon release from the hospital. Now I had to go see April, and I waited for her in the visitor's room in the county jail. As she walked in, I could see that she was furious, and she had done everything she could to keep the baby a secret because she was determined to raise him herself. I want my children, she said, to point to teeth, and I'll keep having babies until I get to keep one. You should know by now how much God loves you and your children, I answered quietly. If you keep having them, he'll keep taking them away, using angels if necessary, until you quit using drugs. I told her about Mikey's prophetic dream. April cut our visit short. She seemed truly touched by what I told her. And when we brought the new baby home, Mikey fell easily into his role of big brother. Of course, he had already fulfilled his mission. He had heeded God's message. We didn't hear from April for a long time, and she finally called. It was from a rehabilitation clinic. She'd been off drugs for three months and was separating from her husband. I'm going to make it this time, Mom, she said, and she sounded different. She sounded like April. I went to see her recently, and she looked great, and she spoke of how she returned to her faith and been running five miles a day, praying as she goes. And after so many years, she said in words I never thought I would hear, I thank God every day for my mother like you. I want to show my children that I love them as much as you love me. There's a long, hard road ahead for April, but I believe that someday I'll be able to return the children to her. Meantime, the heavenly message made sure I had charge of all her babies. That day, 1992, when I first found the little one in the hospital, I asked the nurse to the name of my new grandson, and she smiled and said, I'm not sure, but we just call him Angel Baby. Wow, it's so touching. I know we're at the end of our, our Bible study this morning, and uh, you will be able to listen to this whole in whole in archives. And I just want to let you know that uh, I love you. God bless you, and uh, I want every good thing to happen for you. And just remember, don't give up this good fight. This is the good fight. You know, as we all fight in the world, this is the fight that was worth fighting for. This is the good fight. So fight till the end, my friends. I love you very much. Take care of each other and fight for each other too. And God bless you. And let's all pray for each other because I need prayers also. So let's say our closing prayer. God, grant me the serenity 
to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I hope you are encouraged by our service this morning. God bless you and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're not alone. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Take care, my friends. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.